Hi, I'm Tony Latimer. I'm an astrologer and I write a blog about planetary transits that covers aspects as well as houses in the Placidus system. I've been an independent student of astrology since 2012 and a practicing astrologer since 2020. Hi, I'm Jules Benefico, a clinical herbalist and transformation coach who weaves medical astrology, alchemy, and shadow work into my practice and courses, and I mentor herbalists and other healers to become empowered and confident practitioners. I've been practicing herbal medicine since 2015 and have been a student of alchemy and inner work since 2012. We met at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California in 2014, while living there as extended students working on our personal growth and bathing in the hot springs under the stars. Hi there. So welcome to the first episode of the Herbal Astrology Podcast. This is Tony, and I'm going to take you through the major transits happening between Wednesday, January 25th, the day that we are recording this episode, on through Wednesday, February 8th. And as I go through the transits, Jules is going to offer up uh, ideas for supporting yourself with herbal alchemy through these transits. So the first thing we want to talk about today is the sun's recent move into Aquarius and the recent new moon in Aquarius. So Aquarius season has entered the chat. Um, as of January 20th, the sun has moved into the sign of Aquarius. And some keywords for this Aquarius season, um, how I think of Aquarians, would be intellectual, innovative, genius, unlimited, unbound, eccentric, weird, in all caps, and concerned with social justice. Um, and just an Aquarian who kind of typifies this last quality, the concern with social justice, would be President Abraham Lincoln, who is like a typical Aquarius. And actually, something I found out while researching this episode, which I'm sure Jules is going to find interesting as well, is that there have been more Aquarian presidents than any other sign. There was one other sign that had five uh, five presidents under that sign. But Aquarius has also had five presidents born under that sun sign. So, okay, United States of America, we like our Aquarians. Uh, my best advice to everyone during this Aquarius season is to embrace the weird and unexpected as it appears in your life. Like just, you know, this opportunity to do something you've never done before, like go to a midnight silent roller disco, just go with it. You know, it's going to end up being good for you. Um, one more note about Aquarius season and just calling out all the Aquarian sun signs there. Uh, Aquarians are the oddballs of the Zodiac. And a case in point would be my dad. So hi, dad, if you're listening you're a total oddball and a weirdo. Um, but seriously, uh, an example of an Aquarius that everyone knows about who also like typifies 
these Aquarian qualities would be Megan the Stallion, who is absolutely one of my favorite rappers. She's so weird. Her flow wells up from this unlimited place of words that are strung together in unusual ways that just tickle your brain. And um, her birthday is coming up on February 15th. So happy early birthday to Megan the Stallion. Thanks, Tony. That is very interesting about the U.S. presidents. And yeah, gotta love Megan the Stallion. Definitely probably one of my favorite Aquarians as well. Thank you for that download of information. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jules, do you have any any herbs you want to tell us about for supporting ourselves through this season of the sun moving through Aquarius? Yes. Thank you. So the sun sign in medical astrology essentially represents the vital life force. The sun is the luminary in the sky that gives us life. And without the sun, we wouldn't be here. So this kind of shows us the importance of sun signs to our holistic equilibrium. And this isn't just if you are a sun in Aquarius, this is the sun is in Aquarius currently. So kind of embracing and gaining an understanding of this sign and working with herbs of this sign during the season is especially beneficial for kind of activating and connecting with the energy that is currently with us. So um, in medical astrology, Aquarius is related to certain body parts. So it's connected with the lower leg, the calves, ankles, shins, Achilles tendon, and the electrical impulses of the nerves, as well as the circulatory system. And so, you know, some imbalances or illnesses that we might see with Aquarius could be muscle spasms, low blood pressure, varicose veins, really cold extremities, possibly ankle swelling. And then on like, on a more day-to-day level, uh, obsessive, disorganized, rebellious are a few ways that uh, Aquarians might might be. So this doesn't necessarily mean that if you're an Aquarius, you're going to have any of these illnesses or imbalances, uh, but tending to these can be helpful. And tending to the body parts uh, that Aquarius rules can also be helpful. So Luckily, with the calves and the lower leg, there's usually not a ton to attune to, but potentially, you know, rubbing on magnesium oil on the legs if they get a little crampy could be helpful this time of year. So the other thing to note about Aquarius is that it's ruled by Uranus. And Uranus is the planet of innovation and thinking outside the box and the herbs that are associated with Uranus are typically the ones that kind of help us with quick, sharp wittedness. The one that most people love is coffee. I am not really a coffee drinker. It makes me a little bit jittery and crazy, but our friend Tony here is definitely a big coffee drinker, and that is a great way to access the Uranus Aquarian energy. Um, other ones are herbs and spices, like allspice is, is another good example. 
Um, so then herbs that are also typically related to Aquarius are kava, rosemary, motherwort, uh, horse chestnut, linden, peppermint, and wood betony. Peppermint is also sometimes associated um, with the element mercury. Um, some associations um, of plants to planets and plants to signs might have multiple rulerships. So innovative when we're more calm and connected in our bodies. Rosemary is a circulatory stimulant that can be really supportive as well for clarity and focus. And you can work with the essential oil of rosemary as well as the tincture or just the dried herb. Motherwort is a really great nervine, bitter, calming to the nervous system, as well as wood betony. Um, horse chestnut is one that is typically used topically, sometimes internally for things like varicose veins. So lots of good options uh, to connect with. And if you're wanting to work with herbs, not in a physiological way, but in a more ritualistic way, um, rosemary oil is a really good one. Or going to a kava bar and connecting with kava. Um, I Yeah, so those are couple of good ones. And then just a little disclaimer, I would say is when I'm talking about taking herbs, I recommend um, if you are taking medications to check in with your healthcare provider beforehand and to make sure that, you know, there's not contraindications between the herbs that you're taking or check in with an herbalist is really the best option. Um, but if you are not taking herbs internally, Generally, it's a lot safer. And for those who are pregnant or breastfeeding, there's a lot fewer herbs that you can take. Um, so at some point, I'll probably do an episode talking about the herbs that are safe during pregnancy because it's a lot easier to explain the ones that are safe than aren't because there's so many that aren't recommended during pregnancy. So that's a little bit on herbs for sun and Aquarius. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jules. And uh, thanks for throwing in that disclaimer. And I just wanted to, you know, respond to a few of the the herbs you brought up there. Um, yeah, love, love those Aquarians for their rebellion. I love that rebellious spirit of Aquarius. And I know you do too. Uh, and as far as the herbs ruled by Uranus, you know, we can all get a little bit of coffee into our system unless you're sensitive to caffeine, like, um, like I know you are Jules, but man, for me, coffee, just like gets me going. So uh, I have a stronger connection to Uranus than I thought I did already. Uh, kava kava and motherwort are two of my favorite herbs. Uh, just want to say like Jules is much more informed than I am when it comes to herbs, but I really do feel a special connection to these two, especially Kava Kava. And I just want to shout out Steep Station on First Avenue South in St. Petersburg, which is my favorite Kava bar and hang in town. So um, if you're ever in St. Pete and you get a chance, check out Steep Station on First Avenue South. Okay, so moving into our next major transit for the two-week period that we're covering in this episode. 
the day after the sun moved into Aquarius on the 20th, we actually had a new moon in the very early degrees of Aquarius on Saturday, the 21st. So that's, that's a really cool thing to me to have back to pack these, um, these transitions in the same sign, like the the sun moving into Aquarius followed by the new moon in Aquarius the next day. I think it just enhances uh, the Aquarian energy and gives us an opportunity to drop more into it in our own lives and really like notice the opportunities that arise for us that have that Aquarian oddball unexpected flavor. So um, the new moon this at the start of this cycle was also the beginning of the Lunar New Year, which is very exciting for me personally, because it's the year of the rabbit. And that happens to be my year in uh, Eastern astrology. So go rabbits, go us, it's our year. And uh, as an astrologer, I pay special attention to the new moon in my own life. Um, it's it's the beginning of a lunar cycle, right? Like, and each lunar cycle is about 29.5 days. And you have the opportunity at the beginning of a lunar cycle to set an intention or more than one intention that will come to fruition with the full moon in the beginning of this cycle. And like, you'll actually see the intentions you set at the beginning of a lunar cycle, like come to fruit in the middle of it. If you work on it, if you pay attention to it, right? Like this is all about attention, where attention goes, energy flows, which is something like, they used to say a lot in my massage school way back in the day. Set your intentions now, if you haven't already, for this moon cycle that began on the 21st. And in a couple of weeks, maybe you'll see those intentions bear fruit. Um, some intentions that I just want to throw out there as being really fitting for a lunar cycle with the sun in Aquarius would be saying yes to unexpected opportunities, uh, being open to new and previously unthought of directions for your life. Uh, so just, you know, that, that idea for where you want to put your energy that just comes out of left field. Like I had a friend tell me yesterday that she wants to open an ice cream shop and I've never heard her express that before, but it makes total sense based on who she is. So just embracing that totally unexpected idea for how you want to spend your time, where you want to put your energy. Um, also embracing the weird and unexpected, like that's an intention in and of itself. So when you have the opportunity to say yes, or like say hi to something weird that comes along in your life, just go ahead and do it. Um, and then the last intention I want to throw out there as an example for uh, one that would be very good for the lunar cycle while the sun is in Aquarius is focusing on cultivating your own genius, your own innovative ideas. Uh, like Julie said, Uranus, uh, which rules Aquarius, is the planet of innovation. So during this Aquarius season, like if you have ideas that you've been sitting on that are going to require thought and work in order to bring them into reality because they are unusual ideas 
like this would be a really good time to put your in- energy into I don't know what the word I want to use for this is. Do you have a suggestion, Jules? Like thinking outside the box. Perfect. Yes. Like if if you have this idea that's outside the box and you haven't put a lot of attention toward it because it, it takes work to develop an idea that's outside the box because no one's ever done it before. Like this is the perfect time to devote some energy toward that kind of idea. Yeah, I totally agree. And what you were saying about setting intentions, there's this common misconception with magical practitioners that you can only set your intentions on the new moon. And if you miss that day, then you're screwed for the whole cycle. But really, um, in my own experience and from other people that I've worked with, um, other um, guides that I've had, the waxing moon and kind of like the first quarter moon, so a few days after the new moon is actually the best time to birth and nurture your intentions. So yeah, just if if you haven't set your intentions yet, that's okay. It's still a great opportunity to do so. And really now, you know, sitting with and meditating with the sun and Aquarius energy and still feeling that moon and Aquarius energy, even though the moon has moved on to a different sign now, you know, utilizing that and really tuning in with your genius. Like Tony was saying, it's a great opportunity now. Yeah. Beautiful. I totally agree. And, um, you know, we have a waxing half, the waxing half moon is actually coming up on Saturday. So in between, now when we're recording this and then when that waxing half moon occurs like you've got that waxing moon energy really on your side agreed so i am going to talk about some herbs to work with the new moon and these are more from a uh, magical lens than a medical astrology lens but i used to lead a lot of workshops on working with the new moon and herbs for the new moon cycle. So it's definitely something that I'm into or just working with the moon phases in general. So I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll get into more of the moon phases. But um, in my experience, the new moon is really like this blank slate begin again experience. And I really like leaning into that energy Um you know, no matter what was going on in the last moon cycle, we could kind of clear ground and get ready for this new cycle. It's like a reset button. And so I really like working with a few herbs specifically. Um, I like working with mugwort for full moon or new moon. Uh, It's kind of just the mooniest (laughs) herb of them all. It's the Latin name is Artemisia. There's other Artemisias as well. So common mugwort is Artemisia vulgaris. I live in California, so we usually use Artemisia californica. Or sorry, no, that's not right. Douglasiana, Artemisia Douglasiana. So this plant was sacred to the warrior goddess of the moon, Artemis. And Artemis was really embodying that mother earth energy. And mugwort is really helpful for working with dreams and intuition 
and kind of seeing new worlds. So I think that it would be really appropriate since we just had the new moon in Aquarius, um, using an oil blend, either an herbal infused oil of mugwort or a, um, you know, essential oil of mugwort, or if you have a um, smudge wand, smoking wand of mugwort or incense, all of that would be great. You could take mugwort internally as well or in a tea, um, but I really, it smells so luxurious and divine. It's really lovely to smell and have on your body in this really beautiful way. And it really enhances astral projection, aids dream work. It can promote lucid dreaming. So having a ritual with it before bed um, can really support this energy and kind of help you to get clear on maybe what your new moon intentions are and see things that might otherwise be unseen. Um, a couple of other herbs that I like to work with are jasmine. Um, jasmine blooms at night and, you know, with the new moon, it's all, it's basically a dark moon. So showing us that, you know, at, there's beauty at night and jasmine has like such lovely scented flowers and it kind of is a reminder that we need to experience the darkness of night in order to grow, in order to be our beautiful blossoming selves. So I like that metaphor around jasmine and just energetically jasmine brings peace and tranquility to the mind while also enhancing uh, psychic abilities and dream work. So I'm just going to stick to those two because I'm sure we'll do other new moons and I'll go into more herbs. Jasmine's generally pretty safe. Usually I use it topically. It's uh, or in flower essence, um, which is safe for everybody. You could also do mugwort and flower essence. Um, but with mugwort, I'll give another safety disclaimer. It is in a menagogue, which means it brings on the flow of menstrual blood. So you know, just being mindful of that, being careful with that, again, with pregnancy, um, and also has some other contraindications. So if you're going to take it internally, be careful. Um, topically is safe in most cases. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about those. Excellent. I, um, I'll take any opportunity to smell jasmine. So if the moon is what brings that into my sphere, then bring it on. Mm. Jasmine's so good in a tea too. Like one of my, one of my favorite things to drink in tea is Jasmine. It pairs so well with green tea. And so I'm so glad you brought that into the discussion. And then, yeah, mugwort is absolutely one of my favorite herbs. And it really makes me miss California when you talk about mugwort, because that stuff does not grow wild down here in Florida. And I, I just miss walking along the cliffs of coastal California and seeing big patches of mugwort, being able to pick up the leaf and rub it and smell that scent on my fingers and feel the stickiness of it. So thank you. Thank you, Julie, for mentioning those herbs. Yeah. Um, I was in my garden today and kind of connecting with the mugwort a little bit. And that felt really special that it's kind of been we just had a lot of rain, so it's been really going off again. And yeah, and then the jasmine 
I wanted to mention that also really reminds me of Esalen. And it was actually one of the first herbs I ever really connected with where I was like, this is the most special, beautiful plant I've ever seen. And it inspired me to get into herbalism. So I feel very grateful for Jasmine. It was the first herbal infused oil I ever made, which didn't go so well because <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing. And Jasmine is definitely one of the trickier herbs to make an infused oil with uh, because of the flowers being so delicate and you can't really dry them out. So there's certain ways to make Jasmine oil. Um, this The way of doing it is called an enfleurage, which is a very, you know, I can't really explain it easy, but we can maybe go into it more another time, but I would definitely Google on fleurage. And that's really the best way to go about making an oil blend of Jasmine, but you could also buy essential oil. And uh, yeah, thank you. Just curious what went wrong the first time you tried to make it. It just, um, I mean, it was okay for a few days, but it kind of went rancid because you have to, I didn't know at the time that when you're making an herbal infused oil, you have to dry the plant matter first. Um, so this was womp very womp. long ago in like 2013 before I really studied herbalism. This was 10 years ago. And that was kind of like my first introduction, but it was a great way to learn because I learned by doing it wrong. And I was like, huh, what did I do wrong here? Oh, oh, Jasmine oil, that first round, <laughs> but great learning experience. She's come a long way since then, folks. <laughs> I have, I have. Okay, so as hard as it is to move on from the moon, next transit we're going to be talking about is Venus moving into Pisces on Thursday, January 26th. So we'll get a few good weeks of Venus, a um, feminine planet entering into the sign of Pisces, which is a water sign and by definition feminine uh, because it is a water sign and uh, full Disclosure, both Jules and I are water signs. Jules is a Scorpio and I'm a Cancer. So we have a particular affinity for water and love talking about the feminine and the dark and the shadow and the yin. It's kind of like what we get off on. So uh, you'll hear us expressing particular love for water signs and feminine planets. So um, what I want to say about Venus moving into Pisces is that this will be a time to experience like a deep connection to our dreams, to visionary art. Um, it'll be a time to experience like a deep passion for altered states of consciousness, which you can put yourself in through you know, meditation or, you know, psychedelics, even though I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but like, this is a good time to uh, connect deeply with um, 
altered states of consciousness that put you in touch with the collective, which is what Pisces is really all about. Like Pisces, when I think of Pisces, which is the next season that the sun will be in after Aquarius, um, I think of dreams. I think of the imagination, um, again, altered states, like creativity that comes from a place of high vision, conceptual art. Uh, and then Venus is the love, the planet of love and passion. And she'll be traveling through Pisces and bringing connection from our heart to the areas of life represented by Pisces. Jules, what do you have to say about Venus and Pisces? Thank you, Tony. Yeah, so Venus is probably the planet I work with the most as far as just connecting with it because it's the planet of beauty, artistry, grace. It's very soothing and nourishing and it's all about self-love and you know, I think we can all use a little bit more self-love. So it's definitely one that I work with a lot. And yeah, Venus also has a lot to do with love and relationships. And Venus and Pisces can definitely be this deeper love affair um, time, you know, might be a time that more people are falling in love or going to deeper places within their existing relationships and it's a great transit for Valentine's Day, honestly. Uh, so going a little deeper with it, Venus is, in medical astrology, is associated with the throat um, as well as the kidneys and the emotions and as well as emotion. So those are kind of the three things to think about most with Venus and with the throat, you know, we can also be thinking about speaking our truth, saying I love you, feeling connected to others in that way. And the kidneys have a lot to do in traditional Chinese medicine with the emotion fear. So if there are fears in, in your life, and we all have them to an extent, uh, but especially around love and relationships, now is probably a good time to begin addressing those and that will support kidney health as well. And so in medical astrology, Pisces is associated with the feet and toes, um, the lymphatic system, uh, the pituitary gland, and the pineal gland. And Pisces, as Tony was mentioning, is water sign, super watery, and it has a lot to do with adaptability and flexibility. Um, and when the transit of Venus through Pisces is definitely going to be influencing our lymphatic system. And it's always a good time, like when we get into Pisces season, but now, since this is happening right before Pisces season, it's a good time to detox and support our limb. And it just has a lot to do with movement and the health of our immune system and getting things flowing and, you know, just supporting our overall well-being and our health. So this can look like using a gua sha, um, 
using one of the like a dry brushing method would be really helpful during this time and it's going to help you know physically with your health but also on an emotional level it can help address those fears because it's getting things moving inside of you moving that lymph releasing the toxins and the things that aren't serving us anymore also since pisces rules the feet i think this is a really wonderful time to do a luxurious foot bath um so do a little foot soak with some rose petals and some elderflower is really lovely time for that to kind of bring that venus and pisces energy and then an herb to work with to support lymphatic flow is cleavers and cleavers is one of my favorite herbs I was also connecting with it today in my garden because it popped up a little bit early unexpectedly usually we see it pop up more in like february march it's more of a spring herb um, but it's a diuretic it's a lymphatic it's supporting the kidneys, it's supporting um, the lymph movement. So it's very much an herb of Pisces, but it's also an herb of Venus and it's traditionally used as an herb for love and romance. So energetically and physically, it's kind of the number one herb I'd probably be recommending for this Venus and Pisces. So energetically calling in love, and physically helping with that movement and lymphatic detox. And then one more thing about Venus and Pisces is that kind of a time of romance, but it can also lead to potentially an ex excessive sex drive. So that can be fun or it could be a little frustrating depending on your situation. So it could be a good idea to plan a fun date with a partner and dose them with some herbs that are gonna help get things flowing and help make things fun. And these are good Valentine's Day herbs as well. So uh, Hawthorne, Cacao, Shatavari, Ashwagandha, Damiana, and Maca are some of my favorite herbal aphrodisiacs that would be good for this Venus and Pisces energy. So just getting your love potion on. Yes. Thank you, Julie. I am plus one for Damiana. I am all about that stuff. Jules made an incredible love potion tincture as the gifts for her wedding that she gave out to all of her guests. And that was a doozy. It actually hooked me up with one of my current partners and it had Damiana and it had cacao. It had rose. It had maca. So everything she just mentioned, I can confirm that that stuff works. Um, and I also agree, like Venus moving through Pisces is a great transit for Valentine's Day. I had totally missed that somehow but yeah it's kind of like it's a great placement venus going through a water sign for valentine's day um it's not quite venus and scorpio on the scale of like hot sex to hot sex but you know it's it's up there uh oh i also wanted to uh plus one for her endorsement of dry brushing and gua sha and foot baths like I've been practicing massage therapy for over a decade at this point and dry brushing and gua sha are 
really like even better than going to a massage therapist for getting your lymphatic system moving. Like you can do it all on your own with these excellent tools and um, yeah, spoil yourself with a little foot bath. Give yourself some self-love for Venus and Pisces season. Yes, definitely. Love that. Thanks for that extra endorsement. Uh, As someone who tends to have stagnant lymph, I've just personally worked with dry brushing and gua sha a lot. I usually have a gua sha on my desk, but I can't find it right now. I'm like, I'm going to use it right now. But it's really supportive for um, even if, you know, you have a cold or something like that and the lymph nodes in your neck are a little bit swollen, kind of helping to drain that a little bit. Um, But yeah, overall, super helpful for just feeling good, having more energy and supporting skin health. So all in all, pretty awesome. So yay, Venus and Pisces. I think it's going to be a pretty lucky, happy, sensual transit for us all. So far in this episode, we've discussed the major transits that are going to be happening during the period that we're covering in this episode. You know, we've got the sun moving into Aquarius for Aquarius season and the new moon that the new moon cycle that started in Aquarius and then Venus beginning her transit of Pisces. And now we're going to touch on some of the aspects that planets will be forming with each other as they continue along their usual transits. And um, these are aspects that you may not, you may not notice unless you're paying attention and putting intention toward working with them. Uh, You know, they're, they're flash in the pan. They're going to occur within a day or so. I feel like it's important to discuss these aspects to know that to know how to work with them, to know that you, there are energies that you can tap into and work with uh, in order to forward goals you may be working on in your life, or maybe to better understand like tensions or conflicts that arise uh, within the, like these can be uh, sometimes like uh, things that arise for us on the day-to-day basis can be best understood within the context of these planetary aspects. Um, And also, I guess, just for any listeners who may not know what an aspect is, uh, an aspect is like a relationship that one planet has to another planet, either while they're both moving or an aspect can also be a relationship of a current moving planet to a planet that's in your birth chart. And we talk about these relationships in terms of the degree of the angle that they make with each other within the the circle of the chart that all the planets are moving around all the time. So uh, the first aspect that we're going to talk about is the sun in Aquarius forming a trine with Mars and Gemini on Sunday, January 29th. So a trine is a harmonious aspect. It's an aspect formed at 120 degrees. A trine is a harmonious aspect that is 
formed between planets that are 120 degrees apart on the chart. So the chart is a circle, right? It's 360 degrees total. So a trine is when a planet is a third of the chart away from another planet or 120 degrees. Um, and again, like we call this a harmonious aspect in astrology. Let's start with Mars. Mars just started moving forward again in the air sign of Gemini after being retrograde for like three months. And that retrograde period ended on January 12th. And Mars as a planet represents the ideals of motivation, like the grind, like the energy you feel to uh, that like really pushes you forward to like get stuff done in your life. Um, so you may have felt a slowdown in motivation in your life from October 30th through January 12th, which is how long Mars was moving backwards or going retrograde. So Mars is moving forward again. And like we're ramp, we've been slowly ramping up with this motivational energy again. And here comes the sun, here comes the sun in Aquarius to form a trine with him. So 120 degrees away from Mars in Gemini. And, you know, the sun represents your ego, like your sense of self. So on this day, on January 29th, you may feel motivation around your ideas. And this is going to be a very good day to put work into like any ideas you may have, put them down on paper, as it were. Like, obviously, we're all putting our ideas down on our phones and tablets and computers these days. But uh, this is going to be a really good day to work on business proposals, creative writing, applications, like uh, applications for school, uh, applications for loans. And, you know, because the sun is in Aquarius right now, which is like, as we discussed earlier, this sign um, that's very representative of like innovation and genius, like it, it uh, that Aquarian energy that the sun is experiencing is going to enhance this aspect, this trine with Mars, which is providing motivation. What are your thoughts on this upcoming aspect of the sun trine Mars in Gemini? Thanks, Tony. Yeah. So this uh, trine with Mars, the sun and Mars is a really great day not just that day but I would say the few days before and the few days after to work with herbs that stimulate the mind so Aquarius and Gemini are both air signs air signs relate to communication mental acuity uh, intellect so in order to kind of access the energy the lucky bountiful energy of this trine and activate that Mars energy a little bit more and to help us take action, stimulate the mind and think outside the box, I would recommend herbs that are specifically helpful for that. So go to cola, lion's mane, and tulsi are three that I would highly recommend. 
And so goji cola and tulsi are both Ayurvedic herbs. I work with them a lot in my practice. Um, they're also, actually all three of those are adaptogens. And so they're really working on the long-term stress response, endocrine support and function, um, but they also have a specific affinity for cognitive function and enhancing memory, helping with focus and concentration. Um, so all three of those are great for that. And lion's mane is a medicinal mushroom and it has a white color and it has a shaggy appearance that some say looks like a lion's mane. So that's where it gets the name. So those three are really great. Um, I would say the goji cola and the tulsi would be really lovely in a tea. The lion's mane would be easiest to take in a tincture or a supplement like a pill. Um, and those are also going to be really supportive for the nervous system and like the nerve synapses in the brain and just helping with overall mental clarity. Um, my other recommendation is just noting that Mars and Gemini can sometimes cause insomnia. So if you're feeling some of that insomnia during those days, you might want to get some additional herbal support with some gentle sedative nervines like California poppy, skullcap, or milky oats. So yeah, those are my recommendations for uh, this January 29th sun and Aquarius trine Mars and Gemini. Mm, yeah, I love those nootropics that you mentioned, the go-to, got-to, go-to colu, got-to cola. I never like say that one. Go-to cola. Go-to cola. <laughs> Okay, go to Coca-Cola, go to Cola. Okay, uh, and I just wanted to mention too, like lion's mane is really one of my favorite mushrooms, not just for medicinal purposes, but also it's really freaking delicious. Um, highly recommend uh, if you can get lion's mane at your local farmer's market, buying some and then Google recipes for lion's mane crab cakes and I say crab with like quotations around the crab because lion's mane is said to have like almost a um, shellfish type flavor like lobster or crab uh, and you can grate it and then form like a, a fake crab cake and fry it up and it tastes great and it's also got medicinal properties so nothing wrong with that Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I definitely need to try that. And yeah, I, I'm so in the herbal sphere of tinctures and all of that, that sometimes I forget about food. And yeah, Lion's Mane is delicious. And a lot of health food stores have it now. Farmer's Market is a great place to get it as well. And yeah, Tony, yeah, go-to cola can be a little bit tricky to pronounce. You could also call it by its Latin name, Centella. So that's another option. So next up in Aspect Land, we have on Friday, February 3rd, the sun still in Aquarius going and forming a square with Uranus in Taurus. And unlike, unlike a trine, which in astrology we say is a harmonious aspect at 120 degrees, 
a square represents a challenge. A square is a 90 degree aspect. Like if you think of a, all of the, all four angles in a square are 90 degree angles. So um, that's how you can remember that a square is 90 degrees and challenging like the squares can be as we freaky people often call them. Uh, so yeah, so the sun is in Aquarius, right? And like we've already said a few times in this episode, Aquarius is ruled by the planet Uranus. So the sun in the sign that's ruled by Uranus is going to present a challenge to Uranus, uh, who's currently moving through Taurus and uh, at, at, at the chagrin to all of us collectively on Earth. Um, Taurus, you know, is known for among its like fabulous qualities. I love me a Taurus, but uh, Taurus is known to be like very stubborn and slow moving. And so for the planet of innovation to be moving through this sign of like uh, through a sign that's known to be slow moving, it kind of represents like a slowdown in innovation. So here comes the sun in Aquarius to challenge Uranus. And the sun, like I said before, kind of represents the ego. So you've got the ego coming up against the planet of innovation. And for me, the first thing that comes to mind in this dynamic is like tweets from Elon Musk, where he's sinking his own ship, like not, not just for Twitter, but he's also uh, really, you know, been bringing down his whole empire recently with the things that come out of his mouth that are influenced by his ego. So that was like the first thing that came to mind. Uh, another really good example of like how this aspect could manifest is the recent Southwest Airlines debacle where it's like they would rather put their entire company at risk rather than like upgrade their tech to something that they don't like or understand because that whole the whole thing that happened with Southwest Airlines and like people not being able to get where they needed to go during the trap holidays like that was directly related to their technology and they're a big enough company to be able to afford a tech upgrade so that like their software is running smoothly so that like every aspect of their business can communicate together and like do the one thing that their business is supposed to do which is like get people on an airplane and move them from point a to point b so this this aspect again like the sun challenging the planet of innovation, Uranus, it's really like your ego getting in your way of, uh, of progressing in your, in your thoughts, like in anything that you may be developing, any projects that you may have. So look out around that time on February 3rd and just kind of think about, you know, think, am I getting in my own way here with like where I'm trying to go? Thank you, Tony. Yeah, I fully agree with everything that you said. And I would just additionally use the word chaos when I think of Uranus sometimes, especially in a square like this, that Uranus is going to cause some chaos. There's going to be a little bit of uproar 
a little bit of ego coming up, as we were saying. So I really like to work with grounding herbs in this situation to get out of the head into the body and kind of ground from all of the chaotic energy happening. So I really like roots, um, herbs that are roots to ground beep, just like roots do. So a couple of my favorite roots to work with are burdock and ashwagandha. And uh, since we're talking about Taurus, Taurus rules the neck, the throat, the vocal cords, the thyroid. So tending to the neck area is generally supportive. Again, doesn't mean you're going to have issues with any of these, but grounding and using your voice can be really supportive now. And some herbs of Taurus include burdock and ashwagandha. So kind of double support there with the grounding herbs and the herbs of Taurus to kind of help with those blockages around speaking your truth and grounding and getting out of the ego and more into the body, into the present moment. And burdock is a root that is, uh, you can even buy it at some markets and whole food stores. Um, you can buy the actual root and eat it fresh, cook it up. You can make burdock, burdock pickles, which are really good, or you could take a tincture and it's a bitter, it's alternative, which means it's cleansing to the blood. Uh, the bitter helps with digestion. Uh, it's also hepatic, which means that it's supportive to the liver, liver detoxification. And then ashwagandha, probably a lot of you have heard about it or worked with it. Um, it's gotten pretty popular over the last few years as an adaptogen. Um, and it also has a specific affinity for hypothyroid, so an underactive thyroid. Um, you don't have to have hypothyroid to use it uh, or to work with it, but it is specifically helpful for that. I wouldn't work with it if you have a hyperthyroid, an overactive thyroid though, um, but generally a pretty safe herb and a little bit more on the warming side and it's also activating to the libido. Um, so those are a couple of herbs. And I like to make a decoction of roots, uh, meaning like simmering them on a stove for a while in water and really extracting all the lovely benefits and then drinking that throughout the day. It's super grounding and nourishing. Yeah, I agree that um, grounding herbs are definitely the way to go for this particular aspect. Um, when you said ashwagandha just now, it actually made me think about how recently, okay, when I lived in California, um, one of my favorite ways to drink ashwagandha was in those Rebel drinks, that brand Rebel that's like out of Oakland even, I think. And um, yeah, Jules is nodding. Yes. Okay. Rebel drinks. And they had this amazing golden milk chai drink. And it contained ashwagandha. It also had a lot of um, other adaptogens in it. But I had my socks knocked off the other day because I saw Rebel drinks in a store down here. And like, I, I can't even remember in this moment where I saw it, but 
the movement toward self-care is really ramping up when you find drinks containing adaptogenic herbs in Florida, people. Like, this is where we're at. The movement is spreading. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Rebel is based in Berkeley, but that's funny. I mean... They're pretty national brand. I don't know about global. They might be global at this point too, but they're a pretty national brand. I think I've seen them at Whole Foods and other places and, and all over the country. But yeah, all of these herbs are becoming very popular, which is great in a lot of ways, but also um, we have to think about as more people are working with herbs, um, there's a lot of misinformation going around about them and people using them incorrectly so as well as the demand for them is making it so the quality might be poorer um so just really look at you know where you're getting them the quality and try to support businesses if you're buying herbs that are run and owned by herbalists because there are all of these supplement companies now popping up that are selling these adaptogenic elixirs or um, pills or whatever supplements. And then I look at the ingredients and there's not a single adaptogenic herb in it. It's other herbs that aren't actually classified as adaptogen because that's a specific classification or they have a wrong definition of what an adaptogen is, which I have called out a few for that on social media. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, But it's, it's really important because it's becoming, it's this beautiful art form and reconnection to the earth. And I think people are really starved of that and wanting to connect with plants, but then it's being like hyper-capitalized on. So just really try to be mindful of where you source your ingredients and always try to go as local as possible and support your local herbalists. Here, here, support your local herbalist. Okay, so the final aspect that we're going to talk about for this two week period that we're covering in this, our first and inaugural episode of the Herbal Astrology Podcast, is Venus in Pisces, square Mars, in Gemini. And my major note on this aspect is ew. So yeah, on Saturday, February 4th, we're going to have Venus in Pisces, square Mars, in Gemini. And uh, like I said, with uh, the sun square Uranus, squares represent challenges, right? Like uh, these 90 degree angles, squares, like uh, it's something that challenges us and, cha- you know, challenges our opportunities for growth, right? We all know that, but it doesn't make it any more pleasant to live through as it's happening. Like we all love growth. We all love lessons, but what we have to go through to get from point A to point B uh, can often be an unpleasant experience. And um, for me personally, uh, in my experience with these types of aspects, Venus square Mars can be, um, very challenging. So be sure to take care of yourself on Saturday, February 4th. 
So you've got Venus, which represents love, passion, and the heart, really, like your heart getting in the way of your grind, like your motivation, your drive to get stuff done. You've got Venus coming up on Mars and presenting some sort of emotional challenge to your motivation. Um, And we all know how like life can get in the way, the way we are feelings. Like, (laughs) trust me, Julie, sorry, Jules and I as water signs know how emotions can get in the way of motivation. This is a challenge that we both experience having our natal Mars in cancer, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some later point uh, because Mars is actually going to be in cancer in the next few months. Yay. Uh, so, uh, you could also read this challenge in an opposite way to your emotions getting in the way of your motivation, which would be like, oh, you're focused too much on the grind right now on like succeeding on your own terms or someone else's terms. And now is the time to listen to your heart which is represented by Venus. So either way, whether emotion is getting in the way of your motivation or you need to like let go or like loosen up a little bit from from your tight routine, your your focus and drive and listen to your heart a little bit. Like either way, Saturday, February the 4th could present an uncomfortable challenge to you. Thank you, Tony. Agreed. It's a little bit challenging of a time. Uh, So when Venus squares Mars, general sexual energy is definitely a little bit more activating, but there could be a likelihood for more disputes in relationships. So it's a good opportunity to learn compromise and express tension through movements or other healthy outlets like therapy. Um, So I recommend working with some gentle loving herbs like rose and hawthorn. So rose and hawthorn are both in the rose family, Um, but rose is ruled by Venus and hawthorn is ruled by Mars. Some people do consider hawthorn a Venus herb as well, but more often than not, it's connected to Mars. So both of these are just gentle, loving, connected to beauty and sweetness and um, their nervines calming to the nervous system. Hawthorne really has an affinity for the heart space and is a cardiotonic, uh, but it has a little bit more of that activating Mars energy. And the rose is, you know, known as the beautiful smelling, sweet, sensual, loving herb connected to Venus. So marrying these together are is going to be really supportive for self-love, being able to access love for other people easier, and compassion towards others while really gently calming the nervous system and feeling this sense of inner peace and open-heartedness. So that's what I'd recommend for this square on February 4th. Perfect. Thanks, Jules. And 
that will conclude our discussions of astrological transits and alchemical herbal support for this week. Um, is there anything that you would like to add before we end the episode? Uh, this has been really lovely connecting with you in this way, Tony, and I'm excited for many more episodes ahead. Um, I will just plug that I'm teaching a class in San Francisco at the Center SF on February 12th. So for whoever is interested in connecting with herbs a little bit more, doing plant meditations and meeting in person, this will be an in-person class for anyone in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we are, it's part of an ongoing monthly herbal meetup and that day we will be focusing on cleavers, which I mentioned a little bit today. Uh, so we'll be getting a lot deeper into that and connecting with other plant people. So I hope to see you there. Yes, excellent. Please join Jules at her workshop on February 12th. And thank you all for listening, especially if you've made it to the end of this first episode. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And we will be back with a new episode in two weeks. Bye. Bye.